Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here today. I'm Christina Mendonca. Enjoy this 20-minute interview with filmmaker Doug Orchard. This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here for this episode of A Fresh Agenda, where we deconstruct the tips, tricks, and hacks of celebrities, authors, entrepreneurs, researchers, and filmmakers who have managed that sweet spot of creativity and productivity to get at their deepest work. I'm so excited about today's guest because not only is he a great example of a creative, productive person, but his project is all about one of the biggest tools we have to be more creative and productive, and that's physical activity. It's free. We can all do it, and it works. There have been several recent studies on that connection between exercise and creativity. A Stanford study in 2014 showed levels of creativity rise in those who exercise daily. And the author of a great book, Brain Rules, John Medina, says it's part of our basic evolution that creativity and problem-solving skills are tied to exercise. It's evolution. As our food moved, we had to move and solve all kinds of problems on the way. That brings me to today's guest, filmmaker Doug Orchard. He just completed his documentary, The Motivation Factor. The movie focuses on that link between rigorous physical exercise and creative, academic, and social success. He uses real-world examples of schools in California, past and present. He interviews dozens of scientists on the cutting edge of mind-body research and presents a recipe for creative, productive success that's slowly being implemented with amazing results. The process he used to make his documentary, The Motivation Factor, is just as interesting as the actual film. And Doug just won Best Documentary Feature at the Life Fest Film Festival in Los Angeles. He joins us now. Well, hi, Doug. Congrats on the Film Festival Award. That had to have been a thrill. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was one of those moments, right? Right. Um, Right. So you went down there and this was um, this was a, the Life Fest Film Festival in Los Angeles. Tell me a little bit about the experience of, of being at the film festival and kind of watching this project that you've been working on for years come to, to come to fruition. Right. Well, first off, it's one of those things you're excited you actually get into the festival at all. And I like this festival because the theme was that to really highlight the value that one person, the value one person can make in their life. And um, this film was really focused on those people who are just being left out on the sidelines. They're, they're on a collision course to, be, to become a statistic. And so I thought about kids in inner cities um, and what physical education historically did for them and how that's missing today. So I was excited to be in that festival at first. Um, but then there was a director who was, was a main actor in Black Hawk Down he had won 20 film festivals with his film. And so when we actually beat everybody, <laughs> it was a huge, huge thing, especially as a first time filmmaker. You know, I've been doing things since 2001, but this was really my first true independent film that didn't have any corporate influence at all. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the motivation factor. There's such a great focus on La Sierra High School, which was in Carmichael. It became John F. Kennedy's example of excellence for a school-based physical fitness program. How did you come upon this subject? Well, it was all by accident. I happened to be filming for a corporate uh, production, a person by the name of Ron Jones, who's an expert on um, the whole musculoskeletal system and feet. Um, and when I was filming him afterwards, we had breakfast and he was explaining to me how we have 
really regressed in our knowledge and our implementation of physical education um, as a society. And that scanned for me because I understood and we've heard about how academically uh, the kids today, you know, call, even college kids have a tough time passing the sixth grade exit exam of the 1800s. Um, but I never thought that was the case with, you know, our physical education, because we keep hearing about these new levels we're reaching in the Olympics and, and whatnot. But as society as a whole, uh, that was not the case. And um, he wanted to do a film and wanted me to make one on really the history of P.E. And I told him, no one, no one will ever watch that movie. <laughs> That's just there's a reason why no one's ever made a documentary on exercise. Think about it. We have so many on food and all these other issues, but no one's made one on this topic. And um, and so over the course of time, he, he shared with me about La Sierra. And I, I thought that was interesting, especially since I grew up here in Sacramento. I, I, was, I went to John F. Kennedy High School. And um, and then he said, well, what if we just did one just on La Sierra? And that was our initial starter when we got, you know, decided to do this project. And I thought, well, that could be interesting. And while he thought he had funding and was digging that up, I interviewed one of the alumni and his story was so compelling. He was like this individual who was, you know, had moved every two months from second grade all the way until he got to high school. And in, and in one case, he would be in the second grade and then he would be in the first grade the next state. And this would go on and on every two months uh, from state to state. His parents worked for the oil industry and whatever their job was, caused him to bounce around. He was living in a trailer. And so by the if you imagine he got in all the fights and, you know, he horrible social skills and everything that goes along with something like that. And he talked about how La Sierra really straightened him out. It, it, it provided him with this inner realization that he could do things in a purposeful way. It made him part of a group because they teamed their sports together, their, their exercises together. And it was a way that you got individual acknowledgement, but also grew as a group together. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. And um, he ended up becoming this really productive citizen and then later in life, in the 60s, he had a surgery that was supposed to be routine, and it had a huge complication that ultimately ended up being six months in a coma. Mm. He um, had about everything removed out of his, you know, internally. He had a bag next to him. He couldn't walk. Um, and it takes took him six months with a walker before he could walk the length of one house. And when he got the length of one house, he looked at the door um, of his neighbor, and he had this flashback. Uh, back in his days on the PE field at La Sierra, when he did 10 pull-ups for the first time. And his um, coach ran up to him and said, that's tremendous, but I'll tell you, if you could do 10, you could do 11. There's always one more. And he looked at that door. He says, if I could do one, I could do two. And so by the time I met him, you know, his wife had since passed away from that, that moment. Um, life hadn't changed as far as him having a bag and, you know, all those things that the complications that were unfortunate that never were supposed to happen. But his attitude was amazing. And I thought about so many people in the world. And, and then I started interviewing other La Sierra people. And they all they all did that. They all look back because we had these moments where we where we either get it or we don't of what it takes to get over tough challenges when life's thrown our way. Uh, but all these alumni kept thinking back to their days in P.E. And I was like, I, I've never met anybody who had that experience and it was really interesting. So that's that's what really got me interested in it. I just thought that's what's missing right now. And, and with a lot of our youth, with a lot of you know individuals in society. 
I have a, a husband who's in education, and, and he talks a lot about just the, 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 he calls it the organ at the end of their arm and the kids on their phones all the time and how it yeah. kind of steals their productivity and their creativity and their academic success in the classroom. And your film kind of, it comes around as there's, uh, there are a lot of studies about the connection between uh, physicality and your ability to be creative. What did you find in your research along those lines that intrigued you? Well, first off, I, I involved, I think, every reputable top scientist and MD in the world for this film. I did over 250 interviews. It was a four-year project. And what we found and what I wanted to put together is something that everybody could watch and kind of come to that same page in one setting because it's all out there. But what I found was that our brain's chemistry changes when we exercise. It makes us more interested in associating with each other. It, it balances us out to the point that our brains can function the way they're really designed to do. And it, um, it, it, it removes all the obstacles that are preventing us to be creative and to be productive, uh, to be healthy, um, and to have meaningful relationships and even be interested in having those relationships. Um, I think the most scary statistic that I found was done by Duke University, a study that uh, went from, um, I believe it was the early 80s until the mid 2000, uh, the last decade. And they found that 25% of our population do not have one friend that they can discuss an important matter with. They're socially isolated. And that number's doubled in the wow. past 20 years. Wow, and so you isolation that's sad that is and it and it's difficult to be alone it's difficult to do anything you know in that space and um we will always do better when we're part of something bigger part of a group um humans need other people we actually feed off each other and um in a, in a positive way and so what i learned is that when you exercise as a group with the right incentives, you actually enable that whole experience to, to happen. And, and so historically, of the past 21 major civilizations, 20, 19 of them, they did just this. They did basically La Sierra, a very close version of that, in a way to unify their people and um, to people make people healthy and, and operate. So, and as, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I don't want to give it away for folks who haven't seen the film, but you did find a school or a place where this is happening today and working very well, correct? You're right, right. So um, it was all accidental. Um, I was doing a corporate project to try to stay alive while I was doing this project for an attorney here in Sacramento. And one of the individuals who worked there um, came from a school uh, in the valley in, you know, below Sacramento somewhere. And um, she says, you know, we did a program just like this. And I looked at her and I could tell she was in her 20s. I said, well, that's kind of impossible. This thing went extinct in the early 80s. I mean, it's never it's never happened since. We've got a video that went viral, 50 million views, and you know, no one's called me. And she goes, no, no, I'm telling you, we did this. In fact, I saved my shorts. I had gold trunk shorts. And when she said that, I knew she was telling the truth because who saves their shorts from PE? But but all the La Sierra people still had them. People who are 70 years old, they're pulling them out of these you know, plastic bags, showing me their gym trunks. And I'm like, at first I didn't get it. But, but after a while you realize it's just, it's the one thing they never got rid of. Even people who went homeless 
kept their gym shorts. It was really, really fascinating. Wow, that is. So, so she says, yeah, we did it. And, and I said, well, did you do like showers? I mean, because that all ended. And yeah, and did you have towels? Because that, that, end, that kind of was a factor for ending these programs. They try to save some money by not giving towels anymore to, to kids. And, um, and of course, if you don't have a towel, you don't have a shower, mm-hmm. you know, how hard are you going to work out? And there's a whole you know, thing of why it ended. But, um, and so I called her, her coach and, and, uh, down at the school and it was like, for me, it was like going in a time machine because, um, you know, you study this, I've been studying for a couple of years and, and talking to all these people, but they were 60 and 70 years old. And everybody told me that was great 50 years ago, but it would never work today, especially in a multicultural environment. And with the kids today, you know, and all these things, it would never work today. And so when I found out that they still had the bars and they, you know, which I thought there was a memo and everyone ripped those out in the state of California, they still had those things out, out in their field and they still did showers. They still did everything. They had the color system where they, the kids would wear different colored trunks um, that would represent, you know, what they've achieved and the next team level they got in. They had all of that. And so, um, and so I said, well, are you all, you know, Caucasian. I mean, she laughs. She goes, no, we have the whole gamut here. I said, well, is it like all, you know, everyone's kind of the same economic brackets? She goes, no, we have kids that live in the country club and kids that are living in their cars with their mom that are homeless. Wow. And so I said, okay, I have to come film you. And um, she made me wait because she found out I was going to film. And she says, school's just starting. It was like September. She says, can you give me till November so everybody kind of looks like they know what they're doing? Um, and it was a junior high school. It was a junior high school that had got trained, you know, 45 years ago from La Sierra, and um, and they basically catered it for junior high, and they never stopped. And um, I'll tell you, I was emotional on parts of this, especially when I interviewed a girl who was homeless, and she wanted she wanted she had this. Basically, her goals in life were not dictated by her circumstance at all. She was absolutely as confident about her future today as was the kids who were living in the country club. And the other thing that was interesting is that they had no bullying. They didn't have posters up on the walls, don't bully, and all the things that we're trying to deal with in junior highs across the country right now. They had none of that. And, and she said, and everybody said, how you know, they're just, they all believe in being, they're all for one, one for all. And they have this goal in physical education to help each other achieve as a group they're incented to do that as well as individually. And when they individually achieve, it doesn't stop the progression of the group. And, you know, uh, so that they're, they had every, everyone's interest in line and that transferred into the other classrooms. And so I watched how, how these really important social skills that we do not understand very well as a society now, um, how well they got it and they learned it in physical education. And, and so I wondered where else, how else could we teach that? I mean, we can't teach that in algebra. You're not going to get that in history class. You know, I mean, you just, what would be the course that you would teach real teamwork and how to, how to do that? And I even wondered, you know, I saw La Sierra, all the guys doing it together and the girls weren't until I think uh, late seventies. And I wondered about the whole glass ceiling problem we've had. You know, in the 60s, we had the boys just exercising together and it's the girls doing their separate thing. And I just wondered what would have happened, how different would have our society been today if they had a habit of exercising together as a group, as a team, mm-hmm. and used to working together. 
And so the bottom line is this school today, this junior high school um, in one of the valleys in uh, a very isolated situation, they don't have the problems that we're experiencing in the rest of our country and the rest of our world. And I found that very exciting. How exhilarating, yeah, to find that. You know, here you are doing a, a film on a program that you think is extinct. And to actually, find, it's like a scientist finding a, a, a new species that he thought right. was extinct in the wild. Yes, exactly. But I will tell you, like an extinct species or nearly extinct, they're the last one. And I learned at this film festival, because we had that uh, athletic director come out and, uh, and, and participate in the talk back at the end of the, of the film, that they're almost on the chopping block by the school board hmm. who, who don't appreciate and even have a clue about what this program's doing for their school and everything else. And, um, and, and, and so it's, we get in the situation of what I've, I've termed physical illiteracy. Actually, I didn't term it, but someone else does in the film. But physical illiteracy, this situation of not understanding how our physical bodies and um, the exercises we can and should do to maintain our bodies are related to the other aspects of our life. It's not dissimilar to what would happen if 100 years ago we stopped teaching real math. And, um, you know, where would we be at today? Not only would we not have those smartphones, right, and, and all the technology that was developed over the last 100 years, but we would have regressed back to probably a pre-Phoenician standard of living. And if we saw photos of bridges and skyscrapers and things they were doing 100 years ago, we would say, well, we could never do that again. I mean, that was just amazing what they used to do. <laughs> and then the other challenge is how do you bring it back? Right. Um, so it's really great that there is someone that's still doing this that, you know, people can go learn from and observe and, and watch. But I will tell you, I thought this was all about getting your body posture in line, saving our healthcare system and all that. And it does all of that, by the way, that it has a role to play in all of that, but where physical education really shines and what the consequences that we're facing as a society today is in that social aspect. It's in the mental stability of individuals. It's in our productivity loss and our flatline in productivity. So it's becoming smart, productive and mentally stable, which is the, classical mind, body, and spirit. Um, and now I understand why in the 1800s they were recommending we spend one-third of our time in, edu in physical education and why the Greeks were spending half their time doing that. And it's just, it's mind-blowing that, that something like this could be that meaningful. But whatever people think of PE, what they're doing today, that is not what they used to do. It is, it couldn't be further from what happened. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your process. A first time uh, filmmaker, you, you have a, a topic that, that you really want to dig into. How did you kind of block everything else out to get this done? I mean, you had to, it was like probably like moving a boulder uphill to get it all done. Right, right. Well, you know, I started off initially thinking I had the financial thing covered. All right. And, and I was told that. So we're just kind of waiting and you're thinking you're just living on fumes. And then we realized that wasn't happening. And so we decided to try to crowdfunding video, and I worked six weeks on that crowdfunding video, um, and uh, we, we released it, and somebody copied it on, someone in Germany lifted it and placed it on uh, their Facebook account, and they had a huge reach. And I never thought that was gonna happen. I mean, who steals a crowdfunding video, right? I mean, that just, um, and I did make the crowdfunding video kind of light in, in theme, like I wasn't really pushing hard for the money, I wanted the message to get out there. And, 
So they were able to use it for the way they wanted to. But at the end, it just said, click here to support the film. Well, of course, when it got on Facebook, there was no link anymore. And, and then people were copying that, trying to sell fitness apparel and lunch pals or whatever else. And so it got 50 million views on Facebook, and we didn't realize any of that. So I think we raised on that first crowdfunding video, like 12K, and I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 since then. Uh, we don't actually end up with what you, know, you gross. So it wasn't enough to cover even the, the travel for the 28 states we've been to and the 250 people I've interviewed the, all the time. Um, and, and so everybody just told me, just make a seven-minute version and just call it done. And, um, but I just, I just thought, you know, it, 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 was a, it was a difficult moment for me. Um, there was a lady who I knew uh, locally in Rockland who, whose husband was homeless. She was in her 60s, and she was experiencing extreme health challenges, and she donated $50 to the campaign. And I knew what that meant, what that sacrifice was for her, and she really believed in it. I just thought, you know, I, I'm never going to be president of the United States, or I'm never going to do anything really of, of, of great import. Uh, this may just be my moment. And, and um, so I talked to my wife, and we had planning on buying a house right then. We had a down payment. We just, we just did it. We just made the film. And I, I didn't realize when I got started how hard this was going to be or how much time it was going to take or what it was going to grow into and what we were going to learn. And I was constantly going back east and flying all over the place as we learned the next thing and took two months to schedule that. Um, so it, it's been a very interesting experience, but it's been the most rewarding experience in my life and, and very, very meaningful and purposeful for me. And it's something I think is going to make a big difference. So it's, um, it also has changed how I view people. And, um, you know, during that whole political, you know, last election where everybody's kind of at each other's throats. I'm here trying to do something to build unity, and, and I just didn't get sucked into it. And it was very insightful. I'm, I'm sitting there in the green room at Fox News one morning. Um, Ted Cruz is sitting there, and he's telling me how he can't stand the Department of Education at the federal level. And then, I, and then a week later, I'm interviewing one of the board members of the California Teacher Association, definitely on the other end of the spectrum politically. And he's saying the same exact thing. <laughs> and I was like, how do these people hate each other? I mean, there's like things that they could actually get along with that they first really understood each other and, um, and talked. And I saw by bouncing back from one extreme to the another, how this new lingua franca that we have in physical education, like we could actually have meaningful, difficult, challenging discussions in a productive way of things that otherwise were polarizing. But, but, but if it's under that guys, we could talk. Um, so it kind of changed me. It changed kind of who I wanted to be. And it, it uh, released me from feeling like I needed to be tied into anything. And I felt like I really couldn't be to do this film right. And I just kind of plan to stay there for the next films I'm working on. Um, and it's, it's been great. I mean, it's been very, very personally rewarding. And I, the other thing is, I used to be pessimistic. I used to think, you know, things are getting worse and worse. We're never going to bounce back, blah, blah, blah. And my attitude's completely changed. Now that I see how simple this would be to change how simple it would be to, to get everybody mentally stable again. You know, depression is the number one disability on earth right now. And it, the strongest antidote to that is exercise, rigorous exercise. So, you know, it's simple. That's fantastic. So, Doug, tell me, um, I want to thank you for your time. And, and I really want people to be able to see this film. Where can they go to see The Motivation Factor? Okay, it's going to be released on August the 26th, or excuse me, August the 22nd, everywhere, uh, um, you know, where you can get a video on demand and cable and 
Dish and iTunes and Amazon and all that. Um, there will be some sneak peeks in theaters this summer. I don't have those locations yet. But otherwise, it's August the 22nd. And they'll just need to go to um, motivationmovie.com and um, they they could go there or anywhere they can go get a movie. They'll be able to get it. Okay, so motivationmovie.com. And that is that also the place where they can learn more about you and, and some of your, your future efforts? Yes, yes, it is. Excellent. Doug Orchard, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Excited for the movie. Thank you. And that does it for today's A Fresh Agenda. You can find out more about Doug Orchard on the motivationmovie.com website or by going to my website, christinamendonza.com. I posted some of his materials and other interviews there. And I would love to hear from you. Drop me a line at christinamendonza2 at gmail.com or you can reach me throughout my website, christinamendonza.com. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you next time on A Fresh Agenda. This is A Fresh Agenda. Bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.